Your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, small business nation? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I've actually not been in the studio the last few weeks. Yeah, you've uh, been. I've, I've, I've kind of been. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've just been. I've been busy. Let's just call it that. I've been busy. You've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot. A little bit of hooky. Okay, I'll be honest. Okay, I, I was wondering if you're going to go there because <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I'll tell the truth. I went camping last weekend and it was a blast. Fish. You deserve it. You deserve you know, it. Thanks, John. Thanks. It's good to see you, man. Good to, yeah, good to be back. I'm, I'm in the glad studio. you're back in the studio today. It's good to see you. I know. I know. All right. Well, let's kick this thing off with an icebreaker. Let's kick it. Ice, icebreaker. All right, Mark. Here's the one. Here's one for you today, man. What is the hardest lesson you have ever had to learn? And I'm sure that there's a lot because I know that a big part of your story. <laughs> oh, man, what a question. Is is a hard lesson. So let's start. Let's start small. A small hard lesson. Can Can I just say that anytime someone's like what's your favorite song your favorite band your favorite movie your favorite tv show the hardest thing your number one book it's like it's so impossible to pick one thing uh, i have fucked up so much yeah. in my life <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. um yes, sir. <laughs> so i'm <laughs> i'm just going to pick the one uh uh okay the hardest the hardest lesson that i've had to learn uh Perception is truth. And so I used to, early in my career, you know, I, I, I want to do the best work. I think most of us do. We want to do the best work. We want to do the right thing for our clients. We always want everything to be, like at least for me, I want it to be the best of the best. And there's, there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. If you're going to do something, do it the right way or don't do it at all. If you're going to invest, invest what you need to or don't waste your time and money. So I kind of have this black and white approach where it's like, if we are going to do this, we are going to go all in. Otherwise, let's go all in on something else. And that's cool when it's your team and it's your family and it's, it's all your stuff. But when you're helping clients and you take that approach all the time, it can get you into some arguments with them. And the biggest <laughs> lesson I've had to learn is perception yeah. is truth. I could be doing everything for the right reasons, but if I haven't explained that to people, if I haven't given them context, if if I haven't positioned, uh, you know, why I'm maybe being a bit direct, well, if people think I'm a jerk, I'm a jerk, whether I'm doing it for the right reasons or not. Mm -hmm. If um, if people mm. think I'm hard to work with, yeah. I'm hard to work with, whether I'm doing it for the, the best reasons or not. And so this is something that I've really had to come to terms with. At the end of the day, people care more about how you make them feel. Your, how your work makes them feel, how working with you makes them feel. They care more about that than objective quality results. And that's really hard for someone like me where I care about objective quality and results. I had a business partner that uh, I felt like had that kind of mindset too. And in our time working together, I don't think he ever quite had that realization that like perception was key, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, it always caused us to have a lot of friction because you know, like I know he was good at his job and I know that for him it was all like results based and like, you know, like only you can care about the, like, you know, only you, you control your feelings and those kind of things. But the reality was, you know, the way that our relationship was sometimes the way he was very direct and the way it was kind of, you know, it was like less about feelings and more just about action sometimes caused some pretty tough friction. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely can see how that's, that's a big one that, it caused some friction between us, right? Because he was very much like you in the sense that like, I think he was incredibly talented and he always had the company's interests at heart, but he didn't necessarily approach it with the most caution. I don't know if that's the right word, you know, like he didn't care about people's feelings. Like that was kind of the yeah. bottom line. Like, <laughs> and, it, and, and he even said like, Hey man, like only you control the way, how you feel about something I say to you. And it's like, no bro. Like I understand how like, you know, maybe that's true in some, you know, world, but like the reality is you, if you feel like a dick, you're a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, that's it. Like yep. if everyone feels that way about you, <laughs> mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how you know much you care about the organization. No one feels that you do. And, uh, it, it did. It caused a lot of tension between us. And I, I started to understand him better. I was like, okay, like 
you're not an asshole. You just, you are on a different plane. Um, but yeah, that's tough. That's a tough lesson mm-hmm. for sure. How did you, hand, I mean, obviously you, the first step, well, here we are. The first step to understanding is acknowledging. Well, uh, I learned the, the, it. I mean, obviously, it's nice that you acknowledge it, but how do you pivot from members. that? Like, how do you so actually people on my take team, action from my like, staff? Real, they the really held it true, you know. And mm-hmm. when when you're the business owner and you're responsible for sales and account management, when you're the one who's apologizing to clients when things go wrong or trying to manage your team, uh, I learned it pretty quick because I was just like, "Hey guys, let's stop getting into fights with our clients, right? Like, yeah. like, hey guys, yeah. uh, I want them to come back to us. I want them to mm-hmm. refer us." And we kept, I kept hearing in my post project debriefs, and I don't know if this is why it's so important to to just talk to prospects, talk to clients, mm-hmm. deliver the project, and just say, "Hey guys, what did you like? What didn't you like? What should we do better next time?" I just, I want to get better, and I kept hearing. Well, it's great work, but, and if you hear that like it, it, awesome project, I, no one can argue with how great the work is, but, mm-hmm. and you just keep yeah. hearing that, but yeah, over and, you know, uh, but yeah, yeah. it was a little frustrating along the way or, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a little confusing. I wasn't sure what was happening next. I wasn't sure why you were asking what you were asking. Like all of these things, you hear that enough times. And, uh, and this is why it's so important I'm going to just jump to a whole bunch of different lessons, but it's so important to niche down. It's so important to just try and do one thing and do it really, really well for one type of customer because you will hear this quicker and faster and faster. If you try to do 10 things for 100 different companies, it's going to take you a decade to to have enough pattern recognition to pick up the areas you're fucking up. If you do one thing for one type of person in one way, Mm -hmm. every time you do it, you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Oh, I don't want to do that again. And so the greatest way I learned it was simply by listening and realizing, oh man, we keep making the same mistake over and over again. And it was us believing that, that, that the quality of the work was the most important thing. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever told yourself, I don't know why that person's working with that? You know, I don't know why that person's working with, with, with yeah. beefy. My yeah. stuff is so much better than beefy. I'm better than beefy. It doesn't matter if you're better or not. You're not yeah. really better in the things that matter. Right. Mm. That like that stings a little bit, but like in a good way. <laughs> you know, it's like, damn it, you poured alcohol on a on an open wound here. You know, but I think that's great. I think that I think you're exactly right. Sometimes we're looking at our competition and we're looking at the landscape and saying like, but we're so, like, look at us, look at our brand, look at how cool we are, look at what we can do. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they ever work with that company? Well, maybe because they're delivering a better experience for their customers. Right. Maybe they know exactly who their customers are. Maybe their customers knows exactly that they're they're the right fit for them, right? All these things. Or they just own the relationship. Yeah. Right. Like it's like branding oh, man. You know, like you're you're you guys are in marketing. I own a branding agency. Uh it's so uncomfortable for for I think for us to realize that just a lot of business is done by whoever owns the relationship. <laughs> right? Yep. You're I mean right that's it. That. The network number one. Yeah. yeah. The network is key. So I I want to say this conversation, I think that we're going to have today, Mark, is going to be all over the place. And, and I think in a good way, because what your, what your company is doing is pretty impressive. And you're doing stuff that we don't do that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. talking about, like events and you know that kind of thing. But there's also some like personal things in your journey that I think really kind of stand out to me, both where I'm at now and where I've been in the past. And so I think that this conversation, kind of the way I see it going, is really kind of for the CEOs out there. You know, and I'm sure that everybody else that's listening today are, are going to pick up some things that are valuable to their businesses. But really, like this is a CEO talk, in my opinion. Um, wh- one of the first ones is the fact that you had built your agency to be over two million dollars annual revenue, and then you kind of watched it crumble around you. Kind of, can you take us? Can you take us to that a little bit? Like, I want to know, like, how do you grow it to be that exceptional, and then kind of watch yeah. it wither away? Yeah, um, work really hard. And then not realize <laughs> how much you're screwing up along the way. <laughs> uh, that's Simple the Cole's that. notes. Oh, that's <laughs> that's easy. Right. Yeah, I started my I started my agency Phantom Media when I was 23. So I I went to film school. Uh, I graduated and worked in television for a year. I was working in an internet marketing franchise at their head office. We had 1,500 offices in 90 countries and territories, and I was I was the person making all of the videos for for marketing, for franchise development, sales, for onboarding, for training, for all of the different departments. And here was an awesome thing about it. When I was really that young and, and, and just 
you know, this is 2005, 2006. Uh, I learned a lot about entrepreneurship. I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about communications and marketing because I was working for an internet marketing franchise. And if I have to train a franchisee who's just spent $150,000 buying a franchise on how to do internet marketing, I had to create the training. I have to know what the heck I'm talking about. So I didn't even realize the year and a half that I spent at this company uh, was the greatest university college course in the world. Mm -hmm. But when I started at 23, my agency, my daughter, who's now 16, was a week old. My wife wasn't working uh, and didn't have any income or mat leave. And I was like, I'm going to quit my job and start this company. <laughs> and and the, yeah. whole, the whole strategy was like, if I do this for one person and I'm earning 45 grand a year salary, imagine how much money we'll make if I do this for 10 people. Right. <laughs> that was <Exactly>. the pitch. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize when I launched that I went to film school. I had a job making videos, corporate videos. And so when I started my agency, I was like, I make corporate videos. Who needs a corporate video? And I was just like, does anyone need a corporate video? If you need corporate videos, ask Mark. Mark makes corporate videos. Here's the problem. Uh, I made really bad videos at the time. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know who to sell it for, how to price it, how to do a proposal. I still have my first proposal I've ever done on the, on the shelf here, and I laugh at it because it's so bad. The yeah. problem was anyone at the time in 2006, 2007, before Facebook was a thing, before Twitter was a thing, YouTube was, wasn't even purchased by Google yet, we were shooting stuff on tape. Back then, the people who would pay a lot of money for corporate video would not even find me, would not even look at me. I had zero portfolio, zero credibility. There's no way in hell they would ever give me a project. Mm -hmm. And the little small businesses who would give me a project, none of them were thinking that they needed a video. None of them knew that they yeah. needed a video. None of them understood yeah. the power of video. And certainly no one wanted to give me eight or 10 or 12 grand to make them to a make video. Right. Yeah. And so in my first year, I almost went bankrupt because I didn't realize, oh boy, I didn't understand this. And so I hired a business coach and they really helped me understand that I needed to shape and change how I explained what I do depending on who I'm speaking to, Right. So, I mean, we're all marketers today. This might sound super obvious, but it's understanding your targets. It's understanding what yep. they value. It's understanding your benefits and your features and explaining it to them in a way that makes sense to them. This was like a huge light bulb moment for me. Oh, if I'm talking to someone in a training department, I need to talk about not video, but I need to talk about how training and creating a video could mean that they can train once and then amortize the cost of training over two years. Oh, oh, I, I could talk about how we can be more competitive in a, in a, a really competitive um, hiring market where it's an employee's market. How if we create culture videos or training videos or recruitment videos, we can actually recruit better talent. Oh, if we do a better job of onboarding, we can actually reduce turnover, which saves your business money, right? Like I just started looking and watching at all the different ways businesses told me that they needed video. And then the next time I went and met with someone, I would quickly try to figure out what they were talking about and then just repeat back whatever someone had told me they needed for video. Mm -hmm. And month after month after month, I learned that there's like the 30 or the 40 or the 50 different reasons people needed it. And I just got really good at pattern recognition. That took us to a million dollars in revenue. It also took us about four or five years because I did it very organically through mm -hmm. trial and error the whole time. But just simply understanding how to explain what I do in the terms and the values that the person sitting across the table from me really wants is what took us to a million dollars. Now, from a million to two million was the next step in our evolution, which is us going from being a communications company making videos to marketing, marketing to advertising. Uh, social media certainly helped. Uh, broadband certainly helped. Budgets shifted from big national television commercial campaigns to national digital campaigns. And we just kept moving up and up and up market. So by 2015, 16, 17, uh, about 10 years into our business, we're doing national commercial campaigns with airlines. We're working with the NBA and, and the Toronto Raptors. Uh, we're doing like 180 projects per year. Uh, and we're just, we, we moved from being a video production company to what we called a, a video centric agency. <laughs> Oh, which wow. basically meant um, we would <laughs> help you with the strategy. We'd help you with the creative. We would produce any of the video assets you needed. 
And this all moved from like one video to like 85 different deliverables as it was like six second and 15 second and 30 second yeah. and for Facebook and for YouTube and for Pinterest and vertical and horizontal and, and, and landing page <laughs> conversion videos. Like I can go on and on and on. But what we did was we kept expanding based off of the need of our clients. What do our clients want? What do our clients need? How can we give it to them? And long story short, I'm sorry if I'm taking too long to answer this, but where it all fell apart was when our strengths became our weaknesses. Our greatest strengths as an eight-person, 10-person, 12-person team operating around a million to a million four was that we could make the most out of any budget. We can make the most out of any client opportunity. We could overcome almost any challenge for them. And we did it by just figuring it out as we went along. Our clients could bring us anything and we could give them back the very best that could be done with that time, with that budget, with that challenge. That means everything was 100% custom. Everything was 100% on demand. And when we're a small team, we can do that. When you're doing a 2 million in revenue and have 24 people, when, when we started to expand away from just video to also like, um, you know, direct response marketing and landing pages and, and emails and, and design and brochures and out of home and uh, uh, an analytics and attribution for ad campaigns and like everything, which I thought was our, our plan, I underestimated how complex the business would be that we couldn't just make everything up as we went along. And everything really kind of crumbled under the pressure of, of that forced growth. I didn't have the systems. I didn't have the operations. I tried to expand to too many things with too few people, and I underestimated just how hard it would be. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, how do, you, how, do you, how do you walk away from that? Like, you know, like, how do you... That's that sucks. Like bottom line, <laughs> it sucks. Like no, no, it sucks. Yeah. I, I made I, like I can look back. I, I, if you if you went back and listened to video footage of me because I did a podcast with my friend Evan Carmichael. Through all of this, we did weekly podcasts of me struggling for years, like three years, to figure this out. Um, it's pretty painful. Uh, and so I am now at the point where I was like, oh, I can I can clearly see every mistake I made. Oh man, I wish in 2014 and 15 I brought in an operations person, and rather than invest more and more and more in sales. Uh, I, I wish I invested in operations. Oh man, in 2017, when I got really excited about this new thing because I was getting bored in my business, I, I, I wish I looked back and realized that my boredom wasn't a reason to pivot. It was a reason to hire a sales team to do the stuff I was bored with. Like just mm -hmm. step after step after step, I, I wish I could go back, but I can't. So how do you deal with it? One, um, it took me probably two years to realize that I hated the business I had and felt trapped. I knew it the whole time, but, but to admit to myself, yeah, to, um, to, to decide to, that, that no amount of money was worth what I was dealing with. So just to walk away from everything. Yeah, it took me like two years to decide that. And then it took me six months of, of feeling pretty much like I spent most of my life building something I just pissed away. Um, it took me six months to come to terms with the fact that it's like, okay, I thought I built something. I just feel like I just watched it slip through my hands. I must be a pretty big idiot and a pretty big loser. So I, I, I lived in that world for about six months and this is during the pandemic and what have you. Uh, and then I, I, you know, every step along the way, when I was struggling with sales, when it began, I reached out for help and I got a business coach and they helped me. Um, whenever I ran into problems, I would turn to my friends in my mastermind groups or my friend, you know, Evan, Evan Carmichael and other people. And I talked to them and they would help me after six months of kind of being like beating myself up and feeling like I've just wasted my life. Um, I was talking to a friend about branding and that wasn't even one of our core competencies. It was part of what we did. I was talking to him about brand, about strategic branding, about turning your brand into the thing that will fuel your sales and how to do it right and how to do it wrong. Cause I know. And he's like, I've never seen you this excited about anything. And I was like, oh, I don't do that anymore. I hate that stuff, man. Like, like I got yeah. rid of my marketing books. Uh, I, like, like literally, like I just took all my sales, all my marketing books, everything that I'd spent 12, 13, 14 years collecting and building up. And I was like, I put it in a box. And I was like, I'm done with this. 
<laughs> like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go start a like a lawn care company now. Landscaping company. <laughs> yeah, that's why, it. Why do us marketing agencies? We, we always, always go joke about that. Yeah. <laughs> like let's I, just I started. I, I did landscaping for nine years, and there is something about having the headset on. <laughs> Having having the radio on or your headphones on and just being out in the sun and cutting grass and raking leaves and edging gardens and all of that yeah, stuff, nice. blowing leaves in the fall, like like there's a seasonality to it. There's the yeah. world yeah. is your office and no one is calling you. Yes. Right. Yeah, I think that's so, what it is. It's the exact opposite <laughs> of being in the office. It's outside doing manual labor. Let's go do that instead, right? So <laughs> I like I was like looking up I was I was way off the deep end, man. I was looking up trailers and equipment to start a hardscaping company i was like i could lay patios like like i was listening to country music and getting all depressed and i was like watching all the youtubers who live on ranches and homesteading i was way off onto the deep end but then my friend's like you're really good at this and you like it and that's all i needed and so what i did was i started asking myself okay if i could rebuild what would i rebuild if i could do this again what would I not want to do again? And what would I want to do again? And could I do this differently? And that took me about a year to figure out. And so long, <laughs> I'm going to apologize again. Long story short. It's all good, man. Um, you you, you got to work through. There's no way to get to where you're going without working through it, unfortunately. Yeah. Did you completely give, so did you completely walk away from that business? Did you sell it? Did you dissolve it? Or did it just kind of evolve into what you're what you are doing now? Well, COVID went you know March twelfth, twenty twenty. Seventy percent of our revenue got put on pause instantly, and so that yeah. that took a yeah. pretty big chunk out of the business. Uh, we had um, a bunch of team members uh, bounce on us, which is great. We had a few team members that we had to restructure and let go, which was not great. And basically, we just spent two or three years uh, working with the clients we wanted. We, we let a lot of clients go. So we held on to a few clients. We got down to a really small team of four or five people. And um, we just spent time running down the balance sheet and uh, essentially just deciding, what do we want to do next? And it, it, took a, it took a lot of time, right? The first time I built my agency, it took us, whatever, four or five years to get to a million revenue. It took me two or three years to figure stuff out. Um, it's faster this time as we've rebuilt and pivoted, but um, essentially we've 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 questioned absolutely every single aspect of the business we ran, and we only held on to the stuff that we loved the most, and that includes our portfolio. You know, we we've we've produced over two thousand projects for three hundred plus companies in almost thirty industries. Those two thousand projects work out to something like thirty five hundred videos we've produced, and so not all of them are relevant to what we're doing. So it's like, how do we just whittle everything down to just the things we love the most? How can we stay really small? How can we focus on growth, but the type of growth we want? Because when you build a machine where you're paying, you know, seven-figure payroll, you have to keep that machine fed. You have to, you have to keep making payroll and you have to keep working on projects or with clients that frankly, I maybe didn't want to work with. Uh, maybe they weren't really the perfect fit, but I had to make payroll. And I just don't really want to be a slave to my business again that way. Yeah, we've, we've definitely gone through that transition over the mm -hmm. last, really the last six months. Walked away, with some, walked away from some big client relationships that we decided just weren't like a good fit for us anymore. You know, they weren't, make, they weren't bringing us joy. They, you know, honestly, it was stressing us out. And we were just like, you know what? Like, this is a lot of money, but it's not worth it. Like, the whole reason you get in for business for yourself is to, like live the life you want to live and yeah all that you know, stuff when, perfect, when you started you know? and you said you were playing hooky yeah. i was thinking you're not playing hooky you're you're literally uh dipping into the the bank account or the advantage of owning your own business and even the yeah. fact that you said oh i've been playing hooky i went camping and i'm thinking like you shouldn't have any guilt for that you shouldn't feel bad for that right you have responsibilities you have a team you have a family you have to make money for sure live up to your responsibilities but the whole reason we get into business is so you can go play hooky isn't it exactly golf fishing whatever we want to well, do right? hold on no golf no golf no golf. <laughs> hey listen I, i'm terrible at golf mark like and not like terrible in the nature of like oh yeah you're you, you know you can i can't even hit the ball like i can't <laughs> It's bad. It's bad. If you Real wanted to bad. be good at it, you could. 
but yeah, but just, it just doesn't matter. More to you. Hooky. <laughs> yeah, not that much. <laughs> like, like honestly, golf. I think is um. So I've only ever gone to driving ranges. I am not good at it. I think I hit the ball about thirty percent of the time as well. Yeah, but same. but from people who I know who have gotten good at it, if if you play like five to six times a week uh, for a few years, you will get very very good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you because, work? <laughs> well, these are retired people or rich people, but, rich but yeah, people I don't, I don't, people. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't, I don't golf. So that's funny. Okay. There's another, this, there's this like parallel track that has to be happening at the same time. You're, you're kind of going through all this stuff with your business. That is honestly something that's like top of mind for me right now, which was this transition where you lost 70 pounds mm. at what at what part of the journey, like, was that, like, were you gaining weight throughout the duration of creating a business or was that like a huge gain come pandemic? Like, did you eat all the food in the house? Cause you weren't allowed to leave. Like, <laughs> no, I've done that the, the last six months. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like up 20 pounds over the last year. And I'm like, I'm, I tell people like I'm bulking, which is, which is true. It's kind of like, cookies, <laughs> but I put on, I, I've probably put on a good 10, 12, 14 pounds of muscle mass, but then that, that means that there's like What's eight the other pounds of non muscle mass there. But, um, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I have four kids. And so along the way, as we were building the company, my wife and I are, are having more and more kids. Money, uh, was really, 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 really tight for the first uh, eight years, I'd say seven or eight years. And anyone who tells you that, the best piece of advice I got early on was like, hey, it, it takes seven years to make serious money. Like, yeah. No matter what venture you get into, it takes, takes you a few years to figure it out. It takes you a few years to scale. And then a few years later, you can start to draw money out. It takes seven years to draw, to, yeah, to make serious sounds about money. about right. Now, right. not if you're like a really good uh, info product marketer. <laughs> you make sure, a lot of yeah. money quicker. But yeah. if you're building a business. Uh, and so my wife and I are having kids, we're getting older, we're working all the time, we didn't exercise, we gained a lot of weight. Uh, 2018 uh, was, a, was a bit of a pivotal year for me. So the business was, wasn't at its largest, but it was at its most complex. In that one year, there was one point in, uh, I think, October of that year, where at the same time, we were shooting two national commercial campaigns for two different companies at the same time. Wow. Now that may not sound like a huge deal, yeah, but deal. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. Lot. It was one of them was uh, one of them was that had Maple Leaf Sports. I'm Canadian. I'm in Toronto, so Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, uh, the Toronto Raptors, uh, who's with them, NBA Canada, uh, Sun Life, the insurance company we were working with, and the Boys and Girls Club. So we had five different stakeholders on one project, including wow. the agents for the for the players we were working with, and so we're producing this campaign, and at the same time. We're producing an entire digital and broadcast commercial campaign for our national pension plan, which included us licensing um, licensing music from Top 40 Radio, having it re-recorded, kind of this indie cat power styles, you know, how people like to take cool yeah. songs and then make them yeah, slower and cooler and acoustic. Um, and that campaign got blew up in the national press. Uh, because it was given free airtime during the Super Bowl uh, up here, and and because it was a pension plan and the government, and they're like, why are they advertising on the Super Bowl? And so, anyway, all of this stuff is happening, and um, I am like burned out, and so my wife and I are like heavy, um, uh, like, and when I mean heavy, I was like two hundred and forty pounds. I was going into, I was going into size extra large. Um, shirts and if you're that weight and you're comfortable cool it's not about that it's not about what no, weight exactly. you are i'm like, only five nine um yeah, it's, like it's how about you feel your size the whole thing how yeah. you feel and so yeah. i never i could i still struggle with this but i couldn't go to a wedding or a family event without feeling completely uncomfortable because i hated the clothes it never felt well i was super sweaty all the time um i was at the point where i couldn't tie my shoes up without having to hold my breath um, you know, the belt, the belt would cut into your gut or into your chest your and kind of hurt. Yeah. Um, I had to go, fl- go up a flight of stairs or down a flight of stairs. I get a little winded. Uh, and I just didn't look good. Didn't like any of the photos. Didn't look good. Didn't feel good. Um, and so business is pretty overwhelming, not feeling good about that. I got really depressed. I got depressed for like two weeks of serious depression where it was like, I told my team, uh, guys, I know you're waiting on me for stuff. I'm not going to do it. 
I don't know what you're going to tell the clients. I don't know what you guys are going to do. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. And I would drive home from work and I would sit on the driveway in my truck and I would kind of look at the house and I go, okay, I guess I'll go into the house now. <laughs> right? Like I would just sit there because everything was like, what is the point of any of this? And uh, I told my friend Evan, we, we talked it through some, he helped me figure some stuff out. Um, and then I went to a Tony Robbins event. He brought me to a Tony Robbins event, Unleash the Power Within. I don't know if you guys know the name, Evan Carmichael. He's a YouTuber. He has three, four yeah. million subscribers. He, um, I was lucky enough to, to know him for a very long time. Um, I shot his first YouTube video for him, actually. Uh, but um, he took me to a Tony Robbins event, and it completely changed my life. You know, Evan works with Tony's team, so we had front row seats. We were, you know, to my left was, uh, was like uh, Sean White, the, the snowboarder. Um, yeah. to my right is like Evan. And then, uh, and then next over is like some actor who's like on these Netflix shows. It was like, it was completely bizarre. Um, yeah. but, um, it helped me question like, what do I want to do with business? And this is 2018, right? 2020 is when I start to really, the pandemic hits. Yeah. 2021 is when I figure out that I want to move away from the business I had. 2022 is when I rebuild what I want to do. 2023 is where we are now. This takes so long. Yeah. But, the health journey came to, um, I just, I just didn't want to die young. Well, I wanted yeah. to be there for my kids. I want to meet my grandkids. And that's where it started. And then when I started losing weight, it's like, oh, I want to be, I want to be athletic. And then when I got athletic, it was like, oh, I want to be ripped. And then yeah, I did like this, this health fun. challenge and I got super ripped. And then it was like, oh, I want to be attractive. Like, like I want to be, a, I want to be like, I want to, for the first time in my life, walk in somewhere and feel really, really cool and really badass. And I want to feel like attractive, like I'm worthy of people looking at me because I know how hard I worked at this. Uh, and yeah, it just gets addictive. <laughs> yeah. What, what was your first step? I mean, that's, I feel like that's where I've struggled the most. Over the, over the last decade, I've experienced kind of a very similar journey where I've like had that realization where I'm sitting in the truck. Like as you were saying that, I was like, yep, done that before. Like, you know, you're just sitting in the truck, you're looking at the house, you just got the radio off. You're not, you're, you're listening to nothing. You're doing nothing. You're just like going like life is overwhelming right now. And I don't, I don't really know why, like, and I don't know what I'm doing or what's what, what the next thing to do is. And, uh, over the last 10 years, man, I've had it where I've, okay. I had that realization. I went and hustled my face off, did the whole keto thing, lost all the weight, like worked out like crazy. And then, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm top of the world, you know, smallest pant size I've ever worn. And then it just slowly slowly creeps back right like you're like shit here we are again and that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm like fuck like why yeah. why am i fat again like this yeah. sucks yeah but I'm, this I'm time, there right i'm there right now too <laughs> dude it's tough because in the past i feel like it was i guess it's probably just the age thing in the past i was able to just like stop like stop drinking soda boom yeah. weight no. drops off now yeah. i'm like i stopped drinking soda for the whole last year and it's like it didn't make a difference so it's like well yeah. shit i gotta work harder now yeah. I don't want to work harder. I'm already working hard on all these other areas <laughs> of my life. Like that's the honest truth. Like it's a, you know, David Goggins would say I'm a lazy piece of shit, which is probably true because uh, yeah, I mean, a, be a better way to look at it is is you can't get mad for the results you didn't get for the work you didn't put into it, right? Like sure. let's just yeah. let's just be honest about it, right? Um yeah. so so I in in 2018 I started working out and I I did keto. Um, keto helped me a lot. Uh, cheat days helped me a lot. Uh, I was really disciplined and really good. And I lost, I don't know, 20 or 30 pounds. And then, um, and that was slowly in three month increments. And then I would plateau and then I would get serious and I would plateau yeah. and back and forth. Uh, 2019, summer of 2019, I joined Orange Theory and started taking working out a lot more seriously. And um, I went from like two days a week at Orange Theory to five days a week, kind of within four months. And I cut like another 15, 20 pounds. And, uh, that was 2019, 2020, the pandemic hit, set me back a little bit. Uh, I, I gained maybe 10 pounds back again. Um, and so at the beginning of 2021, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling good. Like I'm gaining weight again. I'm looking at pictures like right now, even my cheat, I, I'm, I'm way too heavy right now. I'm, I'm almost 200 pounds. And so, um, now I'm built very differently than I was then, but along the way it's, it's, uh, I'm reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography. Uh, total Recall. I think it was written in the 80s yeah. or 90s. Um, and he says that there's a lot of great lessons. I love biographies, but he says, you know, it's it's so much easier to climb the mountain than to stay on top. 
and that's it right when i when i wanted to get when i when i wanted to get healthier i told myself that if i did not get healthier i would die at 45 and never meet my grandkids and so the thing that got me to to rewire my approach to health and diet and and water and sleep and uh, exercise and and rejig my entire schedule was the thought of whatever I'm in my fifties I'm in my sixties I'm walking into the hotel uh, the the hospital room and my daughter or one of my daughter in laws is sitting in the bed wrapped in her gown she she just gave birth and in the little hospital blanket is is a little baby. That's my grandson. That's my granddaughter. And I'm walking over and they pull back, they pull back the blanket and they go to hand me the baby. And for the first time, I've had four kids, so I kind of know the the jig of it. But for the first time, I'm holding my little, my little granddaughter or grandson. And, and, you know, maybe their nose is red with little baby acne. They're maybe they're cooing away and I get to meet them and I get to say, I've worked so hard to meet you. I need to change because if I because I need to be here for you and you need me. That like right now I'm getting goosebumps. That is what got me healthy. That is what made me push. That's what made me consistent. That is what uh, I sacrificed for. That is what led me to cry when I'm on the treadmill when I'm thinking about wh- how hard I'm working and how proud I am of myself. Yeah. That got me healthy. Uh I've been healthy for a few years now. So like like trying to stay at sub 13% body fat or, um, or wanting to put on 20 pounds or lifting super heavy or trying to hit right now, I'm working towards like a six minute mile, which is running 10 miles per hour for six minutes straight. Um, I can, I can do like nine, four for six minutes straight, but 10 seems a bit hard. Like all of those things are these weird little incremental improvements that does not change whether I'm going to meet my grandkids or not. And so the thing is when I did the original health challenge, the chunk to hunk challenge, where I went from 184 down to 168, where I went from 15% body fat to like low 13 or 12%, when I got really ripped and started strength training and making myself feel amazing and super proud, that was the climb. But for the last two years, I've been on top. I, I just don't have a big why. I don't have a big reason. I don't have that motivation. So if you're struggling, Andrew, if you're struggling with your weight, what are you working for? What are you working towards? What do you really want? Yeah, that's the thing I got to find, right? Like I don't, <clears throat> I don't have kids. I got a dog, you know, I'm like, so I, it, that's the part. I got to figure out what that thing is. And that's where I've always been like, I don't know. How about this? A lot, a lot of times it's business related, you know? Yeah. How, how about this? You started off by saying this is going to be the CEO interview. Uh, what I think many leaders fail t- to recognize, um, and even if you're not a leader or CEO, let me give you a piece of advice for working with CEOs and leaders. Our job is to make decisions without all the data, right? You often see it with, with we're in marketing, right? You often see it with like uh, people in charge of ad campaigns or analytics or people kind of who are engineering focused a little bit lower level. They, they, you, you ask them for a decision or a plan or a strategy and they go off and they do tons and tons and tons and tons of research, but they won't make a decision. Or they, they, you're waiting on a piece of data and they won't just, they won't fill in the blank with some, a substitute. They want that exact number. And you're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to us because our job is to make decisions without having a clear picture of everything. Like that is our job. And so I often remind myself that anything that doesn't lead me to be more confident, more decisive, more strategic, if, if I can't be strategic, if I can't be decisive, and if I can't be confident, then I will not be the leader I need to be because I need to make decisions without all of the information. And having been as fit as I am and exercising the way that I do, I can tell you that dieting, uh, drinking proper water, getting proper sleep, exercising, lifting heavy weights, all of the stress, all of the stuff that comes from, from working out really hard and sticking to a really disciplined plan. On top of that, all of the confidence you get from losing weight and feeling good and feeling attractive and having your clothes fit and having your muscles hurt a bit, and then looking at your wrist and your, and, or your, your arms and going like, 
hey, these triceps weren't here before. What? Nice. Like all of that yeah. stuff will make you more confident, more decisive, and more strategic. So that's your reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. Just to be a better CEO, a better yeah. leader. Yes. And people respect you more. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, people treat you completely differently when you show up. It, it shouldn't be, but it is. And so it is, it's better. 100%. It's, 100%. And anyone who yeah. says that they don't judge people based on their looks is lying, right? <laughs> yeah. Out, outright. Yeah, it's true. And that's, and that's how I feel. Like, I feel like when I've been at my best weight and best shape, oh, dude, I'll do more videos on YouTube. I'll create more social content. Like, right. because I, I feel proud of the way I look. So I'm not afraid to be in that public eye, right? Where like right now, I'm like, don't take a picture of me. Like, let's not post that video to the point now where it's gotten like, we do all these podcasts every single week. And I'm like, I don't even want to watch them. Like, just you could post it. I know it's out on TikTok, but I'm embarrassed to watch it myself. Like, I know what I look like. And I'm like, shit, that's, this is not good. Like, this is not a good spot because like, I could die, right? Like, it could be more serious than just looking ugly on a TikTok video. And, uh, you and, know. And you're not going to do it for yourself. Otherwise, you would have done it already. So you exactly. need to figure out how to do it for someone else. And yeah. that might be your business. That might be your future. It might be your legacy. It might be the wealth you want to generate. It might be the clients you impact. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm supposed to go, well, I'm supposed to, I'm going on vacation with my family. I'm, I'm taking them to Jamaica in a few weeks nice. and we're going all out, you know, like, like we're renting a villa. Uh, we're doing this big fancy trip. We are going all out and it feels completely inappropriate to me right now. Right. Like, <laughs> like I would rather, I sh- uh, they're not gonna listen to this. I would rather be, wor- <laughs> be working be working with my clients, be working on my business. We are doing such cool things right now. I'm so excited about like, like every weekend, uh, I work through the weekends on the stuff that I love and I'm having so much fun. So like my wife the other day was like, Oh, we're going in in 19 days. And I'm like, damn, there's so much I want to do before we leave. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, I don't, (laughs) it's like Jamaica's great. A villa's great. You know, with the kids, great. All of it. Great. But I'm approaching it like, oh man, there's so much I want to do before we go. And how will this impact stuff? And what, like, like it's a distraction for me. And I realized the other day that I will not ever do this. I won't do this for myself. But here's the truth. Over the last three, four, five years, like my wife and I have been married 18 years. We had to cancel our 15th year anniversary trip because of COVID. So my wife didn't get the trip that we had planned and booked and we're going to go on. She cried for yeah. our entire 15th anniversary because we were in lockdown. And my kids haven't, haven't been on a plane for five years because of all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. like they've worked so hard and they've sacrificed so much and I've asked so much of them that I don't want to do this trip, but I want them to have the trip. I want them to experience it. I want them to have this memory and this time and I want them to taste what it's like and remember vacation and sun and beach and being on a plane and all this stuff. My, like my kids, <laughs> I took my daughter uh, uh, on a trip uh, a few months ago to Atlanta to see a Blank Pink concert and escalators impressed her. Yeah. Like, escalators. Oh, God, yeah. Escalators. And I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like my daughter's 16 and she was nervous stepping on. I was like, what is, what? I'm like, what are you doing? Step What's on wrong? it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to trip and I'm not sure. And I'm like, and it hit me. I was like, Hold on a second. I haven't even exposed you to escalators. What is like, going is on here? Those moments. <laughs> so, so I already know that like like getting on the tram from the parking garage to the airport is going to impress the heck out of my kids. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. so it's pumped. like, yeah. So like, I'm already now like, okay, it's not for me. It's not about me. I can mm-hmm. give my kids what they need and deserve, and you will probably not lose weight for you probably won't get healthy for you. You're probably yeah. not going to make that extra sales call that you know you need to make for you. You're not going to generate that extra $5,000 in commission for you. So who are you going to do it for? I'm going to do it for you, Mark. You can do it for Mark. Do it. Do it, man. <laughs> so today, I just hired a new nutrition coach. And, uh, and it's funny because when I reached out to her, I was like, yeah, I already know everything I need to do. I just don't do it. Like I know everything. Yeah, I know yeah. my like. You can give me the macros. You can give me the calorie counts. I know it's. I know it's four calories per per gram for this, and nine calories per gram for that. And I know the splits, and I know what I should. I just don't do it. And so I hired her, and she said, "Okay, your first day is is Friday, which is today." And last night I was like, oh, "I should put my meal plan together." 
And <laughs> I was thinking how much work it is and all of this stuff. But I was like, well, I hired her. I can't. The only reason I hired her is because, um, because I, I, because she's super fit. Uh, she's a great coach. And I know that I want to impress the pants off of her. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, so I only hired her for that reason. I told her up front, I was like, I don't need help with anything other than accountability. And frankly, um, I know that I've taken a before photo. Gosh, this after photo better just look amazing. Uh, it better be great. <laughs> better look amazing. <laughs> so, That's how it was with my, I'd hired a trainer in Nashville and it was, it was the very same experience. Like, dude, I know what I'm supposed to be doing because I've done it before right? Like accountability was key. And that was the one thing I'll say I miss about working with that guy was it was kind of annoying, but it was actually really helpful. He would Snapchat me once a day. Hey, send me your meals that you had today. Send me pictures, send me mm -hmm. what you had. And, and the shame, which may be good, maybe not, but the shame that came from having to send a picture of something I was not supposed to eat. And I knew I wasn't supposed to eat. And it was like, and he would always hit me back. Very encouraging, very kind. Like, Hey bro, you know, see that you had that today. No biggie. Like don't let that derail you tomorrow. I, I hope to see something a little bit better on the, on the, you know, what you had for the day. And it was like, shit, right? Cause you feel bad about it. Cause you know, you're letting someone else down. And for me, I'm way more motivated by letting people around me down. I, I'll let myself down all day. Like that's, right. that's bad, but you're, you're a human man. Every single the, person <laughs> is like that. They've done studies. Uh, Jonah Berger, uh, this author who talks about different different studies with with sociology and stuff, they did studies and they showed that if you work out in a gym or a location where there happens to be other people, even if you're not competing with them or they're not paying attention to you, people will put out more effort. Simply being around others, they will put out more effort. Here's a perfect example. A few weeks ago, I was in Tampa uh, at a mastermind group helping the helping the mastermind group like direct and run the entire show three-day show huge conference um when i flew out to tampa it was so easy for me to fast until 2 p.m it was so easy for me to eat clean it was so easy for me to go back to my hotel room and eat salad and salmon and get to bed at 8 30 because i knew i had to get up at 6 a.m the next day because i was in a room with 180 super high performing people and in that environment um i'm not going to be i'm not going to be a hypocrite right? Like you guys all want to go stay out late and get drunk. You go ahead. I'm going to be here at 6am tomorrow morning. Sharp. I will have already done my strength training. I will have eaten. I will have my water. Look at what a badass I am. Yeah. And I did that. And then I got home and I was just like, Ooh, no one's around like back to Kit Kat bars. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. So you, we need, we need that. If you're a solopreneur, you need people. If you want to lose weight, you need accountability. If you want to grow your business, you need to work with experts. You need to live up to the expectations that other people place on you. Otherwise, you're just going to stay stuck. Oh, yeah. Complacency mm -hmm. sets in real quick. It does not take much. That's, that's great. Okay, so we're coming up on an hour, and there's so much more we could talk about, and I want to. So I think what we'll do is I'm going to ask you one last question about something that I saw that you, that you do as a company that I think is really incredible, and then I'd like to kind of offer this invite for you to come back on the show where we can deep dive into like content marketing video, like some of the stuff that really gets your gears turning, you know, cause like, I know yeah. that that's like really where you're passionate, I think. Um, <laughs> but events, events is something that like, I saw that you do like emceeing, obviously do podcasting like we do. Mm -hmm. And that is like an arena that like, I'm slowly starting to like move towards and it scares the shit out of me. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, podcasting a hundred percent confidence all day long. I'll podcast till like I'll podcast all day. No fear at all. If somebody hot calls me up and says, Hey, Andrew, we'd like you to come out and do like an hour conference, you know, speak on the topic of, you know, podcasting or marketing trends or SEO branding, whatever. I'm good. Like, I'm good. I don't, I'm why good. don't, what, I don't what, know. What, I don't know. Why is it different in your mind? I don't know. I think it's the, okay. That's not true. I do know. People staring at you. No, I don't, honestly, I don't care about the people part. I mean, yeah, I get that feeling that I think everyone does when they first get on stage where you're just like, you kind of find your voice and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've got it. I'm here. Yeah. Um, the part that freaks me out is like the structure. Like for me, what I love about podcasting is there is no like, there's no format that's like, I mean, there's loosely a format, I guess, but it's not super rigid. It's just a conversation between two people. Yeah. It's the same thing I don't like about going to like networking of like chamber of commerce networking events where they're like, Hey, get up and do your 30 second elevator pitch. It's like, I don't yeah. want to do that. Like yeah. I, I don't want to talk about myself. I want to understand who you are, 
where you're mm-hmm. at, like what your journey is. So if you invited me and said, Hey, Andrew, I'd love for you to sit on a panel and we're going to have, we'd love to talk to you about your thoughts on anything related to marketing. Yeah. I'd do that all day. Like hundred yeah. percent confidence, feel confident about it. But if you're like, we want you to do a 45 minute speech. No, I'm good. Like it just doesn't, I don't know what it is other than the fact that I feel like I have to have a structure. I have to keep people engaged. I have to like, to me, that just feels not as easy as that loose format that a podcast or like a yeah. panel. So, so has. you, you have a, you have an issue with confidence or self-esteem, don't you? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're worthy to hold everyone's attention or you're the expert for the hour unless someone's drawing it out of you? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the weird part. Like if I jump on a podcast, I feel like yeah. it's totally different. I don't know if maybe it's just the fact that like I'm not in front of real people. You know, the only reason I'm asking these things is because I'm, I'm projecting all of my stuff as well. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so, so here's the thing. I'm the host of We Do Hard Things, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs, uh, all about betting on yourself. Like I believe that the hardest thing you can do is bet on yourself, which means you're going to say something you believe even when you know it's going to get you in trouble. You're going to pursue that passion even though you know it's going to be hard. You're going to burn your entire company to the ground and, and take five years doing it. So that way you can then spend the next 15 or 20 years doing what you want to do and building more wealth, right? Like that's a hard thing. Yeah. And so when people bring me on though, like if someone wanted me to give a keynote about hard things, I could do it, but I don't feel like I have, I don't feel like it's my thing so much that I could, that I own, that I own the space, that I own the conversation. Yeah. I could develop a framework, but there's a sure. lot of thought leaders behind me are, are, are hundreds of books of people who probably say very similar things to what I say and probably do it better than me, which is why yeah. I'm the person asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to talk about brand strategy, if you want to talk about positioning, developing offers, how to run an agency, how to be an entrepreneur, how to generate sales tools, what's effective, developing KPIs, like I can go on and on and on and on about the stuff that, that frankly... I, I've spent 15 or 20 years developing. If you asked me a few years ago, I didn't want to talk about any of that stuff, but I realized like, oh, that's my zone of genius. Yeah. And so it could be that uh, you feel like whatever it is you would share uh, isn't the thing that you're maybe best at, or maybe a lot of other people are doing it and they're doing it better than you. So you'd rather be asked about it. That could be it. Yeah. It could also be that, um, that you, like the under, the, un, the, the root cause is a lack of confidence that you can own the space in the room for the hour. The way to get over that is to just start asking yourself questions. So if you love podcasting because it's free form and it's a conversation, you can ask questions. Next time you go to networking, make it free form and just ask questions. Mm -hmm. When it's a 30 second speech, you go, you think in advance before you're, you know, if you're going to BNI or something and you're going to give your share or whatever it is, Chamber of Commerce, you're going to say, who's in this room? right? It's, it's always the same steps. I can't help but want to do positioning and yeah. offering, right? So what's my objective? I want people to, under, I want people to um, know me, right? No trust like. Uh, so they're not going to trust me. They're not going to like for me. They're not going to hire me. They're not going to do any of that stuff in the first meeting. So there's no point. I just want them to know me. Okay, great. Who's in the room? What question would they ask me if they were interviewing me? And then just answer that question, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm a father of four. I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years. And I like, I don't know, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You yeah. just try it. And if you feel it, do it. if it yeah. feels good, yeah. cool. You're giving a keynote. All a keynote is is a structured series of questions being answered in a certain order. You can download books. You can get Russell Brunson's Expert Secrets. I mean, there's things out there that'll to- tell you how to, how to use psychology and how to use different tricks. But at the end of the day, it's like, uh, what do I want to communicate? What's the one takeaway? Uh, what stories could help illustrate these points? What hard lessons did I learn along the way? What did I think I used to know that I realized after finding something out, I realized I do know? And what was that transition point? Like, ask yourself a bunch of questions and then answer yeah. them and then string them together. That's, that's the simple answer. But the yeah. harder thing is realizing, and, and maybe when you go through this, you'll realize, oh, I do know my shit. Oh, I am actually an expert. Oh, um, all of these things that I thought didn't matter yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty special. It's pretty unique. Um, yeah. Because people have a habit of comparing themselves to the wrong people, mm. right? You know, if That's you're comparing good. yourselves, if you're, I had a call this morning with my friend Evan. He was at an airport. He called me up out of the blue. 
And he said, we're talking about different, we, we help coaches, we help speakers, we help consultants, we help entrepreneurs with B2B and service-based businesses. And he said, you know, what would Dean Graziosi need your help for? And I was like, Dean Graziosi, I don't think needs my help. And Evan's like, no, no, Dean needs your help. And I was like, but I'm not making, a, I'm not making something for Dean. I'm making f- something for other entrepreneurs, for other people. So I'm not, so Evan is busy trying to get me to figure out how do I create something for Dean. I'm not trying to create something for Dean Graziosi. And yeah. so I'm not going to compare myself to Dean Graziosi. I'm not going to compare myself to the people who helped Dean Graziosi build his business. I'm also not going to compare myself to you guys because you guys are in marketing. I'm in marketing, but we do very different things. Like, like yep. we, we, we do different things within the world of marketing. So I'm not going to compare myself to you. And I'm not going to compare myself to a bunch of people who don't know anything about marketing or branding because frankly, I know more than them. So a big part of it is we just get lost comparing ourselves to people that frankly, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to. And then once you Mm -hmm. release yourself of that, you'll have confidence in what you've done. Those are good words. I think that's a mic drop right there because... I think that's the hack. I was going to say, roll (laughs) the sound effect, man. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, because... First of all, the part where you said it's just a, my my gears are turning because you said, you know, it's just a series of questions people want answered yep. in, in a keynote format. It's like that just like has my whole mind thinking like, OK, what like if I'm sit, standing in a room in front of small business owners and they're saying, why should I create a podcast for my organization? Mm-hmm. OK, like I can answer those questions. Why? You know, what's the what's the point? What equipment do I what I, what I need to use? I mean, how how expensive is it? Like let's, all of those let's, things let's take a step back even even before that. Um, I want to create a podcast for me. Why do you want to create a podcast? What are the challenges in your business? There's six challenges that podcasts can solve. I don't know. I'm making it up. Um, There's what types of podcasts are there? There's four different types of podcasts that work in these situations or these scenarios. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, How hard is it to start a podcast? Well, it's really hard if you make these mistakes, but that like Mm -hmm. just just think of an FAQ, go to like Google, start typing in, like go to go to answer the public, like just find the questions people are asking. And answer them Already. In, in a logical sequence. You got yeah. a 90 minute presentation there. You add QA and some workshops on, you could do like a half day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm actually, you, you gave me a you little confidence this. boost. You there, got Mark. this. You yeah. Because we, we, we went ahead and actually accepted um, this event. We were asked to come in and do a four hour workshop for an association of auctioneers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, beef, beefy marketing, you know, auctioneers. Yeah. Um, I so, have to work on my auctioneer speak, <laughs> but uh, you know we we committed to it. So I mean, I needed awesome. this conversation. So so today. what? So here's yeah. here's here's a quick way that I'll just show you that I would rhyme through this, right? If we were working together, do you got time? Yeah. Okay. So um, what's the event about? They would like us to cover. Uh, it's essentially marketing for these auctioneers for their own individual businesses. How how can they market themselves? That's what they want you to cover. But what's the whole That's- event about? Marketing. I think it's all, yeah, I think it's marketing. marketing. Yeah, all marketing. Perfect. Uh, uh, I would ask who's coming before you or who else is going to be speaking. So that way you can either build upon them. People love it. People love it when you're Mm -hmm. like, earlier in the day, Sarah was sharing this thing and blah, 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 blah. So I would look at the agenda, who's going to come before you, and I would get a sense of what they're talking about so you don't step on them, but you can build on them and you don't contradict them. Yeah. If you show up and you contradict someone who said something earlier in the day, they said it earlier in the day. You're the one who looks like the idiot, not them. Yeah. Whoever comes first, so you always want to build upon it. So what's the event about? Who else is coming in the day? What are they going to be speaking on? Fantastic. What is the point you're trying to prove? Right? You're you're in front of you're in front of the judge. You're in front of the yeah. jury, right? You're in a court of law. You are trying to prove a point, right? One thing. What is that one thing you're trying to prove throughout your entire thing? Um, this is what I, I mean. I learned this. I learned this structure from pastors, right? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. like pastors often, you know, they have their sermon for the day, they have their lecture, whatever their topic, the thing they're trying to prove. Then they're going to go ahead and they're going to open with some kind of anecdote or story. So they're going to pick a story, they're going to pick an anecdote, something from the news, something to illustrate the point, something from their past. Great, you can do the same thing. And then they're going to go through their three pillars or their three acts or their three proof points or whatever. So mm-hmm. like. You can structure this however you want, but I would say, what are we trying to prove? Who's in the audience? How much do they understand about this? Um, I would even ask them who's like, I would figure out a way to say like, okay, who has a website? Just, I want to judge the audience. Um, Who has a podcast? Who's already podcasting? Who's interested in podcasting, right? And then I would in real time, 
I would shift kind of two or three streams of flow depending on how savvy the people in the room are. Mm, yeah. So I would have the same sequence of lessons, but I would I would skip through basic things if they're advanced. I would slow roll, roll basic things if they're not advanced, and I would skip the advanced stuff later, and I would just just plan your stuff and, and answer a bunch of questions. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling way better about this event already. Like yeah. seriously, and the other thing I is, four like, hours yeah. is really easy. Try giving a ten minute, right? Like you know, like you you can four hours is really easy to fill, man. That's not hard. I see it felt, and that was the thing. Like I was sitting down with, we have two Johns on our team. I was sitting down with our other John, and I was like, bro, four hours. Like, what am I going to talk about in four hours? He's like, bro. He's like, you can talk for four hours. He's like, you have no problem talking. Yeah, I, I would do. Like, I would do like a forty-five. Like yeah, like I would probably do like a thirty or forty-five minute um, keynote, which would lead with like the problem, our background, why you should listen to me, um, what we're going to get into, and I would teach the whole thing. Then I would probably do like maybe twenty or thirty minutes of workshopping. So I pick one or two people that you could try to workshop in real time. Um, if if you're up for it, I, I love workshopping yeah. stuff. But that that gets you to an hour fifteen now. Um, then I would do Q and A, and then I would take a quick five minute break or a stretch. Uh, coming back from the break, I would then get into uh, either a workshop or a, a checklist or a plan. If you're going to have them start to work through stuff, so they can walk away with tactical uh, advice, each step leading them further towards what you want them to think and how you want them to work. You can do shares, you can do roundtables, you can do a second keynote or a second lecture to fill up the time. You can show videos, you can show case studies, you can take other people's lessons and break them down and just simply like walk them through, you know, uh, like right now I'm, I'm looking at Essentialism, uh, a book by uh, Greg McCowan, uh, and it was only because there was a chapter in here where I was like, I think I want to make a video explaining how his stuff applies in this situation. So hmm. just come up with stuff and add value. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. <laughs> oh, Mark. So this is, this is a great transition to ask you, why don't you tell the audience exactly how they can work with you? Because I think I already know how I could potentially work with you. <laughs> if, you if you offer coaching, there might be an opportunity for that to happen right here. But why don't you tell the audience how they can support you, find you, what you offer, all that fun stuff? Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do is head over to Instagram, drop me a DM. My handle is at mark.drager. Drop me a DM and let me know who you are and what you're up to and the challenge you're facing. It's me. I don't have a funnel. I don't have a chat bot. I don't have a VA on it. It's literally me. Uh, now, if you're looking for help, let's say that you're a coach, a consultant, uh, you're a business owner that has a B2B or service-based business. And let's say that you are struggling with sales. Who isn't struggling with lead generation? Who isn't struggling with sales? You have a few options in front of you. What do you do? Typically, you'd hire an ad agency. You might start a, a quiz funnel or a funnel, or you might um, hire a salesperson. Like you're gonna, you're gonna go out there and you're gonna go get more leads and sales, right? The problem is that most people uh, and and agencies are very good at amplification. Advertising gets the word out there. Marketing gets the word out there. Cold calling gets the word out there. What word? What's your offer? What's your position? What are the competition doing? What makes you different? What makes you stand out? How do you explain it? What do you say? What don't you say? How do you show up? How do you make people feel? How much influence do you have over them? That's what we help people figure out. So if you're a coach or a consultant or a business owner and you're struggling to move from word of mouth or referral-based businesses to marketing campaigns, advertising campaigns, social media campaigns, launching podcasts. Like basically if you're if you're doing something, if you have a if you have a six figure plus opportunity in front of you. If you know that you making, you know, launching the new product, launching the new service, uh uh launching this new thing, fixing your business is going to generate more than six figures, we will help you figure out who you're targeting, what you need to say, and how you need to show up in order to influence people. There you have it. That's awesome. Y'all definitely go support him. I already followed him on Instagram right now. I did it. So <laughs> if I can do it while podcasting, you can do it while listening to the podcast. There you go. All right. Hey, you've given us a lot of hacks, but I still have to ask because that's just the format of the show. If you can leave us with one hack, one business growth hack, leave it for us. <laughs> uh, 
it, business growth hacks. Uh, take lots of photos of yourself. Mm. So photography photos are so 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 easy like like book a photographer from a local college a local person hire a wedding photographer they're like 250 300 400 500 bucks for the day grab eight different versions of clothing go to your local train station your bus station your tunnel go outside go into a parking lot go uptown go downtown go wherever you can with them for the entire day and for those four or five hundred bucks you're gonna you're gonna leave with like hundreds of awesome photos of you in different places doing different things with different looks and that will feed everything about your marketing so you're not using the same stupid headshot over and over again mm-hmm. you're not uh taking it just on your phone like like just having a pro- professional take these photos of you even if they're unedited will feed every aspect of your brand your marketing and your sales and it will make you look like a professional yeah there you go there it is Mark, I hope you come back. I hope that we've Anytime. convinced you that we're cool enough guys <laughs> that you'll come back on the show, talk to us about other random stuff. I would Especially, like to know when you will have me back on and how much weight between now and then you will be losing. Ooh. Oh. Uh, um, all right. Let's go Today's real time. April 21st. Yep. 30 days. So okay. May 21st. That's my wedding anniversary. How about that? Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So it's, we'll work around uh, It's that a day. Sunday. So let's say uh, the week of the 23rd of May. So you okay. have one month plus a few days. You can have me back on that week. And uh, that's four weeks from now. Uh, are you exercising right now, working out or dieting? Not, no, not at all. No? Lo- I mean, loose exercising, but not like consistently and no dieting. So this okay, would be then all... You should, you should weigh in and... And John, I need you to keep Andrew uh, accountable here, right? All right? We need before photos. We need a weigh-in. And uh, when we get together in one month, you should be down eight pounds. All right, eight pounds. Eight pounds. All right, you got me, John? A lot of that's water you. weight. Try, a lot I'm of a, that can I'm be salt. With you. Water weight, right. it can be salt. Uh, but two pounds per week is a little on the aggressive side, but not when you're starting. So eight no, pounds, man. definitely not. Especially if you if, go like keto or low-carb, it should be easy. Yeah. In theory. As okay. As I'm consistent. So, yeah. so we are going to get back together in, in like four or five weeks and, and you're going to be down weight. Yes. 100%. We're going to do it. I have to do it. I'm going to a wedding in September. If I look this fat when I get there, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> Somebody's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to know. <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna to stick to it. And then, Mark, seriously, man, I would love to have a conversation with you offline to talk about your consulting you know, and kind of coaching because I, it's just a good vibe. I mean, I podcast twice a week, every week, have mm-hmm. been for the last three or four years. So I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people, and this just feels like a good, a good vibe. So let's Thanks, definitely man. have that conversation, man. Hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to sure... add you to my list. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, dang. I'm like... Somewhere no, no, not list. my email list. list. Not my email list. Okay. My actual <laughs> handwritten list of oh, people okay. that I care about. Paper. <laughs> He's added me to the prayer list. It literally, awesome. says, right, it literally says people. <laughs> people. It's I the love people it. list. I love it. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.